welcome to this week's episode of Let's Have a Breakdown with me, host Ali Monjack, and... Oh, and yes, me. I'm your other host, Harry Acton. And hello, Ali. How are you this week? Well, I'm I'm doing well, actually, Harry, amidst all the not great news. Yes, it's been a bit of doom and gloom. And of course, we're in the midst of a storm this weekend. So it's a bit, a bit miserable all around, I'd say. But yes, it's certainly been a very manic week for the news, hasn't it? And not the best week either. There's been no fluffy bunnies dancing in fields, if you want any optimistic news. <laughs> <laughs> No, there hasn't. But, you know, I do blame Alex. It is Storm Alex, isn't it? Yes, it was named by the French weather forecasters this time around. Yeah, Storm Alex, I think. So one of the first winter storms we're going to get. And it's already turning out. It's probably going to flood Somerset. So keep an eye out for that one. Wouldn't be surprised. if We've already actually had, though, Storm Harry and Storm Ali, haven't we? We have in episode one of Let's Have a Breakdown. Yeah. Absolute storm, that was. (laughs) Um. absolute storm went down like a storm well talking about you know stormy news the top of the news leaderboard this week is trump he has unfortunately trumped the headlines (laughs) with three major stories yeah just you know three major stories three just go we've got the whole you know election debate him of course catching coronavirus And Supreme Court judges to name a few, haven't we? Which I'm sure we can go into more detail. But somehow this president has managed to literally top the headlines almost every day this week. Don't know how, but he has. (laughs) He has. And, you know, I would just like to say what anybody else's political view is that I do sincerely hope that he and Melania or Melania are um, recovering well from... The coronavirus. But it appears, actually, Harry, that nobody really knows what the state of affairs are. Yes, we get all these reports out and about, but ironically, they seem to be conflicting. So depending on who actually speaks from the White House or his medical team, we get different information. So it sounds like he has been on oxygen and he has required a bit of intervention, but we don't know. And we can't confirm that, but that is the speculation flying around at the moment. So he's in good hands. And we hands. also we also can't actually confirm the timeline of events. No, we can't. There's conflicting information about whether he might have actually had it at the at the debate, which I've heard flying around. So we are not entirely sure what happened. Um, but you know, he's he's the president of the United States. He's gonna have the best care imaginable, isn't he? So I'm sure he will make a swift recovery. I'm sure. But what is going to happen if, for example, he doesn't make a recovery? Then there is a scenario for you. Then what will happen what? with the the presidential election? Well, I, I wouldn't want to comment on the election, but you know, when Boris fell ill, Dominic Raab effectively took control of the government over here in the UK. So in theory, you know, Pence, his VP, will step up to the plate if Trump does become incapacitated. In regards to the election, though, you know, Trump has always said he doesn't want to postpone the election. So, you know, if he did become incapacitated, would we still honour that wish of his not to postpone the election? Or would America postpone it? Oh, who, knows? who knows? And also, there's the other issue of the fact that, you know, it is only about a month away. Yeah. And actually, people, some people in America have already cast their votes. 
Yes. So what do you do with those votes if Trump is not up to the job? Well, I'm guessing I'll have to do it all again. I mean, I'm only speculating because, America, your politics system is very confusing. And I thought the British system was a bit complex. Um, it's you know, It sounds like it's going to be an absolute nightmare for the American people, if I'm perfectly honest, if he does become incapacitated. Because, as I said, there's this whole, you know, mail-in votes, aren't they, happening at the moment, which, of course, Trump has said is going to be massively defrauded, which everyone, you know, like the US Postal Office is saying it won't be. So I think it's just a very difficult time to be an American citizen. I'm sure Trump will make a recovery. I don't think we will. they will need to delay the election. But that I'm sure that worst-case scenario is probably somewhere in their constitution. But I will say for Personally, I don't know what that would be. <laughs> no, no, absolutely. And I think, you know, it is um, a very scary time for everybody. So, again, you know, as in April, when our leader of um, the UK, Boris Johnson, went into hospital, I mean, you know, it's it kind of gives the country hope if there's a good outcome, doesn't there, really? Oh, no, absolutely. I mean, you said Boris recovered, you know, he was in, he was, he had the right care, you know, he had to go into intensive care at some point, didn't he? He was very much being looked after and he recovered. So a man who's under a lot of stress, like Trump, he might well develop some complications, which is perfectly normal. I mean, when you're stressed, your immune system can get run down quite quickly. I'm sure we've both um, had that, Ali, as journalists, when we've got stressed. I certainly have at time to time. In fact, I'm a little bit unwell right now with my wisdom teeth. So if I do make any weird noises, it's just me, you know, dying in the corner. Yeah, dribbling, absolutely. Um, (laughs) So I'm sure, you know, looking at it, Boris got through it and he had the best care. And I'm sure that Trump is getting equal, if not better care in the military hospital he's in. So, you know. Absolutely. And he's also on this new antibody medication, isn't he? So the the new sort of, but it's still going through trials, but... They're trying all sorts of things, aren't they? Yeah, yeah let, let's um, cross our fingers and wish, you know, the president and his wife the best, basically. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. But on to other news that he has created this week, oh, should we say? Should we talk about think- the debate? I had the fun job of watching the whole debate earlier in the week. It was, it was interesting. I honestly... Did it remind you of being back at school, Harry? It did. I... And... I I hate to be critical of anyone, but there were so many untruths flown around in that debate, mainly from Trump, because it was fact-checked. There's a lot of independent fact-checks you can look at online. So I'm not just saying this from my perspective. There is stuff to back me up here. He was interrupting Joe Biden left, right and centre, wasn't really letting him get her word in, you know, to the point where Joe Biden eventually snapped and said the phrase, will you shut up, man, to Trump's face. It was just, it was hilarious. But at the same time, I wanted to cry (laughs) because this is the leader of the free world. I'm going to put in quote marks. The leader of the free world debating with his opponent. And it literally was like two children arguing over a chocolate bar. Well, absolutely. I mean, it it sort of came to a head, didn't it, when um, Joe Biden actually suggested that Trump had panicked with his leadership over the coronavirus and had panicked and failed to protect Americans because he was more concerned about the economy when he looked at the stock market. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, it was a little bit of a mudslinging match, I must admit. And uh, he also went on to say, Joe Biden, that you're the worst president America has ever had. Yes, it then sort of 
Yeah. Yeah. It 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 just sort of spiraled further down as yes. um, Trump remarked about you know Biden remarked about being smart, and then Trump came back at him about don't ever use the word smart with me. Yes, because he then said that Biden graduated either the lowest or almost the lowest in his class. No idea where he got those facts or figures, but that was what Trump came back with then. Yes. And then he proceeded to then defend his approach to the pandemic, which has killed more than 200,000 people in the United States alone. So it was, yeah, interesting. And then Trump was... went said he had, did a great job. He did a great job. You know, 200,000 people died, but he did a great job. That's what he thinks. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, I, yeah. Well, yeah, I did actually feel very sorry for Chris Wallace of Fox News. I mean, he tried to. He tried. Well, did he really? He, but so, I mean, you were never going to get a word in Edgeways, were you? No, you weren't going to get a word in Edgeways. And the thing is that Trump's goal was to stop everyone else speaking as much as possible. That's what it felt like. So as soon as Biden started talking, Trump would try and jump in as soon as he could so that Biden couldn't get any of the facts or figures that he obviously had in front of him. Um, and so it was very much like someone interrupting a teacher is what it felt like, honestly. It was it was so much like a school classroom. And, you know, and then some of the things that were flown around as well, you know, there's Trump effectively did back white supremacists in that debate as well, Ali. And yeah, he did. He'd, and then he tries to deny, and I'm looking through Twitter and it's just so, so depressing. I mean, you've got the proud boys who Trump said to stand down and stand back or, or stand by is it the actual phrase. And, and then he tried to say that was him telling him to stop doing what the thing, but saying stand by to me says, you know what, wait until I need you not to stop doing what you're doing. So, oh, it was just a bit of a saga, really. It makes our lovely debates in good old Britain look really tame. And I thought that some of them with Boris and Corbyn were actually quite quite good last year. But the American debate certainly, um, well, it was a new take. Let's put it that way. Well, no, absolutely. And I mean, you know, there there is still a lot of racism that goes on in America that, quite frankly, should be stamped out. And, uh, you know, it, it's evident that, that Joe Biden is... Um, not going to tolerate that sort of behaviour anyway. And as he said, you know, this is the president who has used everything as a dog whistle to try to regenerate racist hatred and racist division. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, you know, Trump's blaming Antifa, which is technically not actually a group. It is a movement that's been started against fascism. It's not really a group as such unlike the proud boys again to, to name a group so you know there's this whole the whole debate was very much trump saying it's the left wing's problem not the right wing when on the streets at the moment uh, you know there are right wing militias on there and there are left wing militias but you know the left wing is reacting to the right wing and vice versa so you know each side needs to tell each other to stand down and trump's not telling the right wing to stand down so you know, it's never going to stop until someone says stop. And he, he hasn't, Ali. So who knows what no. we're going to see over the next few weeks. I dread to think. Who knows? But yeah, it was a absolute... It, it, yeah, it, it, it was just debate. a showdown, wasn't it? It was yeah. a complete showdown, I think. Um, <laughs> and really... <laughs> I'm dying in the corners. Uh, 
Oh, Harry, <laughs> Harry, come back to us. Let, let, let's have a, a little bit more. Um... I'll drink some orange juice in the corner and try and recover from my, my... That's what you get with wisdom teeth. Hey, love it. I haven't got coronavirus for anyone listening. That was a cough well... because I choked on my orange juice. <laughs> <laughs> a bit of, there's a bit of wisdom for you, Harry. Mm. Hey. <laughs> Well, I feel like you Definitely. can't cough anymore, Ali, because people think you've got coronavirus. No, I just choked on some orange juice because I'm an idiot. Oh, you know? wow. You know, I, I can remember actually when I was out shopping in lockdown and oh, um, I I'd had to, it was, you know, the, the, the height of the season where it was hay fever season and I do suffer from hay fever, but it also gets caught down the back of my throat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I can. And I had this sort of excruciating moment where I was—I just really didn't want to cough in the supermarket line. It was just like, oh my goodness! And then I started to cough. Easiest way to clear a room. Yeah. Yeah. Easiest way to clear a room. But you know, I managed to contain it. Anyway. Anyway, back to what we're talking about. Before I I die. Back back to what we're talking about. I mean, the the other the Trumps the other Trump story that has been you know made the the headlines first of all this week was that he'd actually had a nomination or has a nomination for the new Supreme Court judge. And that's Amy Coney Barrett, who is Catholic. And I think there has been a lot of controversy over this, especially, mm. you know, considering um, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, you know, was able to allow women in the US to have abortions and this is something that people especially women in the US are really worried about that they'll they'll she'll be anti-abortion because she's catholic again i think time will tell on that one i don't know if she's actually publicly stated she's going to be anti-abortion we can't just assume that she's catholic that she's not no. progressive because no. you can be religious and extremely progressive nowadays so yeah it will be interesting you know trump's obviously tried to make a tactical move here but Amy could well surprise us, you know, just because she's Catholic does not mean anything anymore. So I think time will tell. But at least he's nominated a woman, Ali, at least. So there is some common sense there. Yes, absolutely. Need I say more, Harry? I think that's a perfect way to end it, I think. Uh, He's nominated a woman, which makes me very happy. Because as we've seen, especially with Jacinda in New Zealand, women tend to handle things a little better than men. And I'm a man saying that. (laughs) So. <laughs> yes. yes, you are a man saying that, mm. and um, a very progressive man, shall we say? Then, Harry, absolutely. I think I think that um, you know people have different strengths, and whether you're a man or a woman, you know they can vary. But it does seem to me that women tend to handle things a lot better than men do. So that's that's just the way I see things. That's my own opinion, um, and I, I can't wait to be proved wrong on that one. But it could be a while till that's done. Yeah, well, yeah. anyway, let's wait and see, as you said, about yeah. um, mm. um, the uh, next Supreme Court judge. Yeah, and I think it's, it's uh, we have got a bit of bit of sad news, actually, now, Ali, which we, we did, we have undenied about covering because it is very, very sad and tragic. And it's news coming from India um, that happened this week. So on Wednesday, um, there was outrage across the country um, as a woman was gang raped and she died. Now, she was from the lowest rung of India's caste um, caste system. Um, And she is the latest case in a series of kind of sexual violence against women in India. Now, 
The woman belonged to the Dalek community and she was raped by four men on September 14th. Um, now, it's really sad how they found her, Ali, and it, it's it's really, really heartbreaking because they found mm. her outside of her home, naked, bleeding and paralysed. And for any listeners now, you might want to skip the next 10 seconds because there is a bit of, bit of shocking info here. Um, and she was also found with a split tongue and a broken spine. So it's it's really sad and really shocking. And, you know, she's in the lowest caste system and India, you know, it start, it's, it's, it's had enough as we, as we saw with the protests and politicians calling for justice. It was a really, really shocking thing to happen. Really shocking. And it's not the first and I'm sure it won't be the last, Ali. No, and which has caused a lot of demonstrators um in the streets of India in India this week mm. in Delhi trying to stop rape culture because there were hundreds apparently of protesters from the BIM army a party championing the rights of Dalits thronged the hospitals premises in New Delhi and jostled with police and the party leader Chandra Jakar Azad asked Dalits across the country to flood the streets to demand the perpetrators be hanged. Yeah, it's, you know, community action. They are they are coming together. They've had enough, haven't they? And I, I totally understand that. And hopefully it makes a difference. I really hope so. I really hope so, Ali. Well, I think also this actually, um, I mean, this all started... You know, the spotlight on it has really been since 2012, since the, the gang and rape and killing of a 23-year-old student on a New Delhi bus happened. Mm. Um, so it, it's been a culmination of things. But according to the government, police registered 33,658 cases of rape in 2017, which is an average of 92 per day and a 35% jump from 2012. About 10,000 of the reported victims were children. The real figure is believed to be far higher due to the stigma of sexual violence. It, it's really a shocking news. It really is shocking news. And um, for any listeners there that might have been offended or didn't want to hear that, you know, when we started this podcast, we had a vision of making sure that stories that were underrepresented were told. And, you know, when I was working this week, I saw this story come up and it didn't gain as much traction as I thought it would, which is why we've done it, because this is happening, you know, and awareness is key in these sorts of things. So we're going to leave that one there. Um, and yeah, it is shocking. It is tragic. And sadly, these things are happening really sadly. Mm, yeah. they are. Um. Anyway, right, let, let's get back to... Um... I was about to say the job in hand. Let's face it, you know, it's everybody's job in hand and especially Boris's at the moment. Every day of his working life is, must be is talking filled about up with COVID, Ali. What yeah, the coronavirus. COVID? Oh, good old coronavirus. And of course, we had lovely figures this week as we had literally the highest daily figures. Not, you know, not like the highest since March, the highest recorded since the start of the pandemic ever, ever in this country. So, and of course, this could be due to increased testing, but actually, you know, it just shows how prevalent the virus is, you know. So, yeah, and I mean, on Saturday, Saturday, of course, figures literally were over 12,000. 
And the government blames a technical glitch. Really? Well, really? Mm. But so they apparently they missed off some. So those daily figures actually could have been even higher. So the government chucked them all in on Saturday and said 12,000. So that shocked everyone. When <laughs> you said that, Harry, it's so funny. What, chucks it all in one, just shocked us? Chucked it all in. Yeah, yeah, yeah let's you know, chuck it all in for good it, measure. Chuck it all in. If you know, I think that's what we're doing, aren't they? We're back to these lovely press releases, the, the conferences. Uh, in number 10, God, thought we we never thought we'd miss them, did we, Ali? No, oh. absolutely. So we many. didn't at all. But there are so many. I mean, and it is a problem. It is. I mean, people are growing increasingly fed up with lockdown restrictions. I mean, I've heard reports in Bolton and Manchester of people, you know, not being, you know, they, they've been locked in as long as six weeks already. Yeah, um, and yeah, 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 yeah. Go the on. The Prime sorry. Minister actually gave comment this morning um, on BBC. It was actually the Andrew Marr show, mm-hmm. without mentioning any too many names. <laughs> and <laughs> and uh, he was saying that it was too early to tell. Six weeks was too early to tell if they were going to get the R rate down. Yeah, and there's, there was a study released in the week which sort of showed that transmission was slowing. But again, he's right, it is too early to tell. And the problem is that if we don't have these things in place, and I know you can't go and socialise with your friends and family indoors, and it, you're advised not to outdoors in some of these areas up north, it is for the greater good. And I know it might be hard, but luckily we live in a very digital age. I mean, you know, in the first lockdown, you and I, Ali, had a glass of gin or two, glass of champers, and did quizzes, didn't we, via um, house party of all apps. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, it, I don't, yeah, I've I've gone off house party now, but you know, party, yeah. yes, absolutely, it it really is one of those things, and that you know, we we have progressed through mm. lockdown now, and you know, we we do know a lot more and. It, it is true. I mean, it's it's been a massive learning curve for not just all of us, but obviously, you know, the UK government, you know, governments across the world are still learning about this virus. So that that is very, very true. And, you know, I do, I do understand the frustrations. I yeah. do. But, you know, we have to be, we have to take common sense. And, we, you know, we have to be, um looking after ourselves as well we can't just rely on any government no absolutely um yeah, and yeah. have you harry have because I? I have have you actually downloaded track and trace i have and do you know what? i've had about eight notifications now saying potential covid exposure and i've gone great i've opened the app and it goes actually you're fine and it turns out the app will give you a notification if it's trying to verify that you've come into contact with someone who might have had COVID so it can access the data on your phone. And then if there's nothing in the app, you can continue life as normal. And I've had that eight times now, that notification. It's given me a mini heart mm. attack each time. But I have to know the app and it has had over 10 million downloads um, since it launched in England and Wales. So, you know, the British public are slowly getting on board because, of course, the government relented and used Apple and Google's privacy-centric version. So, you well, know. Well, mm. of 68 million population in the, the, the UK, um, I suppose, you know, 10 million is probably out of, what, 50 million across England and Wales? Yeah, thereabouts. And to be honest with you, if the people that are not working from home, for example, and are still commuting are downloading it and working in the office, 
then that's going to do a hell of a lot of good. So, you know, if you're in an office, you're taking a train, everyone on that carriage, for example, has the app and someone tests positive, all the people who were sat near to the person who tested positive will be notified. So, you know, and if you're working from home, you're not leaving the house. And I wouldn't see why you'd bother downloading it, especially if you're getting like food shops delivered. But I think if people who are out and about and who are traveling and who are in mix with the public download it, then it will do a lot of good. So hopefully anyone who is out and about will download it. I mean, I got it the day it launched, got it at 5.30 a.m. in my Uber to work. Oh, my gosh. What are you like, Harry? I know, but... Well, yeah. little round of applause there for you. What, for my, my lovely 5 a.m. start someday? Yeah. Oh, great. I'm not so sure that our Prime Minister, Boris Johnson, will get such a big round of applause. Really? Wow. 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 Uh, According to Sabal Nurse, director of London Francis Crick Institute, um, he said that the UK and other countries were woefully unprepared for the pandemic. Oh, yes. And believe it or not, the Big Issue magazine had this interview, which I was like, wow, fair play to the Big Issue on this one. They snagged a quite a controversial interview, didn't they? Um, I mean, actually, I have to stop you there. And I have to say, I mean, the big issue is, oh, I can't think now. It's probably about 40 years old. Okay. As a paper. Mm -hmm. Um, And editorially, they have some great stories in there. I've never actually read one. And they are supported by a great editorial team. Um, and obviously, you know, lot, lots of well-known people within the industry because of what they do. Mm. They actually effectively, I mean, not that I'm selling the big issue here, it sounds like, <laughs> I don't know how, oh my goodness. But <laughs> PR alert, PR alert. No, no, but just think, you know, they are actually supporting homeless on the street by giving them a job. Yes, yes, very true. So, but yeah, they, 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 going back to the interview, they, they did a really good job, didn't they? They, they, they got this, this lovely, um, Sir Paul nurse to basically say some quite catchy lines. So he literally said that we're stumbling from one crisis into another in midst of chaos, frankly. It's like, whoa, whoa. I think we all admit we're in the middle of a pandemic. I wouldn't, call it stumbling. I think we've all been a bit critical at one point or another of the government, but stumbling is a very strong word to use, in my opinion. Very strong stumbling. Well, it is a very strong word to use. And I'm not defending our Prime Minister as I, you know, I'm not going to to say who I would vote for. Um, But it's a very, very difficult fine line to take between trying to keep the country going economically mm. yeah, yeah, yeah. and also, well, looking after saving lives, looking after people. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a really hard line. And, you know, this government's been called all sorts of things. And, you know, the, at the moment, Paul mentions that he says this government is populist, which is why these issues might be occurring. So the government isn't relying as much on evidence and experts because they have to justify an opinion against knowledgeable arguments. So, you know, he has highlighted actually quite a few of the things that we all recognised were happening, but didn't actually put words to. So, 
It's certainly an interesting report, Ali. Certainly interesting. And I'm sure it's made... It is a very interesting mm. report. And, you know, I mean, he has said that the government have relied on one-liners, which, you know... <laughs> yeah, I mean... one-liners. Um, stay at home, save lives, protect the NHS. Yeah. Classic Do you know what? I still think that Matt Lucas had it spot on last week in oh, the Great absolutely. British Bake Off. Yeah, save lives. Yeah. Um, so, no, absolutely. And it, it is kind of really confusing and i get that it is confusing as to know what to do but you know to try and break it down so that everybody understands what it takes or what it need what needs to happen is is an extremely yeah and i know there's been criticism mm. that you know some constituencies in the south which actually aren't in any extra measures i mean where we are at the moment ali in both our our areas we're not under any lockdown as such um but i think people are still taking it seriously from what i see i know london definitely is it's lovely being in london anyway back to what i was saying there's actually been some criticism that boris's own constituency which has a rate of roughly like 46 infections per 100,000, is above um the number of when they started imposing restrictions in the northeast of around 20 per 100,000. So he was actually challenged on why restrictions aren't in place in his own constituency. And it was a question that he couldn't answer. Um, so, you know, I feel for people under restrictions. I really do. Yeah, um, so do I. But I mean, I feel for all those university students. Yeah, I who feel. Who went to university, their first year of university. Yeah. They're in student halls and they're basically under quarantine. They've been locked up. I do feel sorry for them. And I, you know, I feel very sorry for them to run out of alcohol because that must be horrible. And I know that in their food packages, not getting any. So I do feel extremely sorry for them. But if there's any good news for any students, co-op are actually donating 10,000, 10, might be more than that. They're donating quite a lot of food to students, co-op. So don't be surprised, students, if you get some co-op food on your doorstep because co-op have pledged quite a lot of money towards students who are stuck in flats. That actually came out this week. It was quite a little cute story. Let me see if I can find the figure, but that's just another random thing that happened this week. Yeah, no, absolutely. But, you know, I, I think we can all agree with Sepul Nurse on certain items. Mm. Um, but, you know, I mean, as you said before, and, you know, as I've quite often said, I mean, finger pointing in the, during a global pandemic. Yeah, it it. It, it's, it's, it's no point. Uh, and the people are calling for a review, aren't they? But the problem is, is that we can't, we can't look at what's, well, we can look at what's already happened, but we need to be using these resources wisely in this time. So we can't be justifying diverting some resources, which can actually help deal with what's happening now to look at what happened at the beginning of the year. So yes, I'm all for an inquiry, but we need to still focus on what's happening right now and have an inquiry at the end of this pandemic. So, yeah, and it's 10K for co-op, co-operating £10,000 worth of food. Sorry. But, yeah. Well, no, that, that that is really, really lovely thing to do as well. And, mm. you know, I think that we just need to hang on in there. And um, I think there is some hope as well that definitely university students now will get home for Christmas. Although I have noticed that there's a lot of panic buying again, isn't there? No toilet roll and things. Honestly, don't don't get me started, Ali. I'm fuming. Went into Sainsbury's to get Lee roll. There was literally a couple of things left. I was like, this is just ridiculous. We learnt in the first wave that everything was fine. And yet people are doing it again. Life goes on, doesn't it, Harry? It does go on. And, mm, you know, and I think life's got even more spicy for us Brits this week. 
Do you know what I'm actually thinking of getting? What? That was very rude then. What are you thinking of getting, Ali? <laughs> a pair of toilet roll earrings. A pair of toilet roll earrings? Yes, to mark 2020. What? Yeah, you should definitely get them. Make sure the paper has 2020 written on it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. All right, cool. Okay. Anyway, yes, no, no, moving off to the, the, the next part of the agenda. The spicy news from this week. I don't know why yeah, I'm calling it spicy. Yeah, very spicy. But... Well, it, it, it is spicy. In my eyes, before you introduce it, I think it started with what? Norway and UK this week signed the fisheries agreement. Yes. So yes. that's the first agreement that the UK has signed mm. out of the EU. And it was with Norway over a fisheries agreement. So that they've, they've reached a fisheries agreement, which let me tell you, Harry, you know, dates back to, to 45 years ago when, um, you know, the, the UK actually first entered the European Union. Mm, okay. Um, and it, it's it's a sign of well, it could be considered a sign of a way forward, because you know up until this moment in time, they've always been controlled by Brussels to do with their fisheries. Well, you say it's a sign of things moving, Ali, but I'm going to literally burn that bridge by saying this because <laughs> you say that, but then what did the European Commission do this week? I know. They begun legal proceedings against the United Kingdom because we've done something illegal and I don't blame them for doing it um, because the government refused to withdraw plans to override key elements of the Brexit divorce settlement, which was, of course, um, signed under international law. So, yeah, the UK government passed something in Parliament. The UK and uh, the EU gave us until the end of September to rectify it. The UK government did not rectify it. And now the EU is basically suing us. Yeah, Honestly, when that us. broke, I was there like, oh, my Lord, October is literally the first of October. I was like, well, what, what is happening? What is happening? <laughs> So I know, but I do. As I said, I think you know. All jokes aside, I think that that is what you know was sort of the 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 straw, as it were, that broke the camel's back. Yeah, it, it was. And I, honestly, fair play to the European Union; they have a lot on their plate at the moment. So you know, the, the Commission President Ursula von der Leyen. I probably said that wrong. Do apologise. No, you didn't. Did I not? That's right. Yeah, right. Um, Ursula von der Leyen. Yeah, she said a letter, a formal notification would be sent to the UK um, after ministers rejected a demand to withdraw provisions from a UK internal market bill, which of course were the illegal bits. In a press statement, she said the move uh, marked the first step in an infringement procedure with the British government, who's now been invited to send its observations within the month. This draft bill is by its very nature a breach of the obligation of good faith laid down in the withdrawal agreement, she said. So it's all heating up. Let's put it that way. All heating up. And she also said it, if adopted as is, it will be a full contradiction to the protocol of North Ireland, Northern Ireland in the withdrawal agreement. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, that is has to be one of the the issues that you know a huge issue to do with the northern ireland backstop with leaving the european union as well so yeah Yeah, it is all very much the lawmakers are going to have to decide where to go from here the government knew the uk government knew it was breaking international law when it passed um 
that withdrawal in, in Parliament. And they still did it. So, you know, it's not... Well, yeah. if you turn the clock back to 2016... Okay. On that 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 very strange day yes. when we woke up to a fifty one percent majority. Yes. I mean, I don't know about you, but I woke up and thought I was, you know, I'd landed in a different planet. I was surprised. I was very very surprised. I was way. extremely surprised. But mm. you know, one of the things that a lot of the um, well, I, I mean, I actually voted to stay in the European Union, mm. you know, and I, and I can say that. But um, one of the things that, that came up was the amount of money that is going to be wasted in lawsuits. Yes, and we're going to keep seeing that and seeing that, I think. because Absolutely, because it, at the end of the day, whichever way you look at it, this is divorce. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is divorce. Absolutely. So it's going to cost money. And although the government really wants to big up the fact we're saving, you know, so many millions a week, this is still going to cost us. And we're going to, you know, we're going to struggle for a bit. Even under the best scenarios, we're still going to see some drops in productivity, some drops in exports, you know. So we'll see. Brexit... Although Brexit. there was somebody who said this to me at the time. Okay. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, they, did, they did actually say this to me. Well, why don't you tell the German Chancellor to park all their German cars in Calais? Right. In Calais? Yeah, in Am Calais. I missing something here? All the yeah, German cars in Calais. The, yeah, you know, just park all your German cars in Calais and just leave them there, you know, if, if you can't find a way forward. Yeah, okay. I've, as I said, I'm a little bit little bit out of it today, but you can't find a way forward. Well, no, well, the, the point this, this person that was making is, is a friend of mine, actually, and, and he was saying, well... You know, I mean, they, the UK is a huge trading ground for a lot of the European Union. Okay, yes. And, you know, if, you know, as I said, if one of their, their biggest commodities is, you know, cars like BMW, Mercedes, you know, all the big German names, VW, if you parked all of those in, in Calais and didn't bring them across to the UK... It would, yeah, because there wasn't a proper trading agreement, then what? They're not going to make so many sales, are they? No, they're not going to make so many sales. Oh, sorry. Now, Harry. Yeah, oh, no, honestly, i that was my literal breakdown. My mind stopped functioning until you put that in. <laughs> my mind. Sorry. Yeah. Was, no, I don't. Yeah, I. Um, the wires were not connecting. The neurons were. The just wires not were firing. not connecting. No, no, no. That that's absolutely fine. Brexit just makes um, my head stop. To be honest with you. Honestly, I just can we just get it done? I'm just so so over that word now. So over Brexit. Oh well, for years. I mean, it seemed like years, didn't it? I mean, in such in a space of a year. I feel like so we've been doing Brexit happened. for like ten years now. I just feel like it's been going on and on. Well, we haven't, Harry. It's only been since 2016. In four and a half years. I know. And we've had two prime ministers, three prime ministers, in actual fact. Three prime ministers. Good old. Do you know what? Sometimes I wish Theresa May. Really do. Sometimes. Sometimes I do. 
Well, she never had a chance, Harry. But anyway, let's let's move on. Let's move on from Brexit to finances. Believe it or not, we've got something on finances this week. Um, do you want to start this one, Ali? Finances. Well, financial decisions such as where to buy a house and how to invest money are seen as more perplexing than choosing a partner to spend your life with, a study has found. See, I find that baffling. So, look, I don't find financial decisions extremely hard. I'll be honest with you. I I understand finances. I guess some people would struggle. Like, If I was going to buy a house, for example... There's a probably a fifty percent chance it either be Winchester or Bristol, just off the top of my head at the moment. If I had the money, okay. So that's where Harry's going to be moving to. Well, who knows? Who knows? If I had to buy a house, is all I'm saying. Purely because right. both. Pay- oh, hello, <laughs> Harry. Are you alright? Oh dear, you've actually had a breakdown, haven't you? I, honestly, I wish we should. Be- we are going to eventually record these on video. That was absolutely. So what just happened then was. I was about to talk about the inflation of prices in those areas. I'm absolutely a mess. Basically, I'm not on microphone over. It then went into my lemonade. My lemonade did a 360 off my table. Oh, no, but your microphone's still working. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even fine. though it's been lemonaded. Oh, no, the lemonade's in the bottle with a co- with, with cap on. I'm responsible. No oh. open glasses. Well, there is an open glass, but it's empty. <laughs> you've been uh, you've been lemonaded, Harry. Been lemonaded, but yeah. Anyway, Bristol yeah. and Winchester have some of the uh, the best increases in house prices in the country. That's why. Again, I know my finances ish. So, but yeah, I get I get well, why people would struggle. Yeah, I mean, a house is only as good as you know what somebody is another person is willing to to pay for it do you see what i mean i see what you mean Mm. um it depends i mean you know obviously i live in one of the most expensive areas in the country yes you do berkshire or should i say i know you're west berkshire aren't you actually west berkshire i am west berkshire i might as well call you wiltshire alley because they're basically the same place as our devon and somerset You're not going to let me. No, away I'm not going to let that one no, go. It's, it's all right, Harry. Shall we? Darling. Should we move on? I mean, yeah. in the whole county, so you know well, there is that fact. It's Hampshire a is a one. home county. All right, I mean, I'm in a home county here. You are in a home I'm county. I'm in a home My county. Daughter was born in Hampshire. So very nice, Hampshire. I'm very nice. I do like to visit Hampshire from time to time. It is lovely. I'm taking afternoon tea, but well, let's not go there. Let's not. Uh, we digress. Don't wanna... <laughs> we, do, we really <laughs> do digress. We don't, we don't want another baking debacle. Oh, we don't. No, no, no. And do you know what? As well as houses, Ali, in this report, the dilemma of whether or not to change jobs was the second biggest struggle, as that was chosen by 27% of participants. And then the task of how to choose, um, task of choosing how to invest money was chosen by 25% as the um, hardest thing to do, <laughs> believe it or not. Um, this, yeah, it's, it just seems yeah, a bit nuts. I can I... see that. I can see that, actually, about investing money. Mm. I can. There, there are lots of things. I mean, you know, I know that you and I have had some experience with this, but I yeah. mean, you, there are lots of different things to invest money in. Mm. Mm. And sometimes, you know, in the current, yeah, you need to be really savvy. And it, it, it is quite a difficult situation just to learn overnight. You know, if you've grown up in a world where people do invest money, then, you know, I think you naturally pick it up. Yeah, you do. And, you know, I, I pay someone to manage my portfolio for me. 
I'm a lazy, I'm lazy like that, but I pay a very nominal fee for quite a lot of returns. So, you know, there's always ways of getting around of this confusion, which is... Yeah, absolutely, which is an employer and expert in, in actual fact is what you're saying, which yes. is very true. And I would yeah. advise anybody to an employer and expert rather than going out onto the middle of a trading floor on your own. I mean, there are lots of things out there. Um, mm. There are. There are. Exactly. And I think, yeah, finances, I know can be a bit of doom and gloom. So should we move on to what what a story I really like? And I've watched loads this week about a real life jet suit. Literally also known as... That is really exciting. So, you know... real life Iron Man. It's, That's it's, almost like, you know, we, we've got a superhero who's finally arrived. Yeah, it's great. And do you know what? He was actually demonstrating it down in Salisbury earlier this week. Salisbury, of course, is a place quite close to both our hearts. Um, spent a lot of time in Salisbury over the over the last year. Um, yeah, it's absolutely magical is the word I'm going to use. Like, he, he only hovers like what about half a meter off the ground it's not massively high maybe a meter i i, I don't know the exact oh, specifics no, but it doesn't matter it's, it's what it does on the tin it's amazing and it's been developed by a company called gravity industries um and the founder richard brown browning was literally flying around um for the media this week and it's just it's incredible you can literally fly over any obstacles for example a journey that might take 25 minutes by foot would take in a jet suit 90 seconds because you wouldn't have to stop for any obstacles I just think it's magical. magical. I think it is magical. It is almost on the level of Peter Pan or Superman, isn't it? Really? I would say or Iron Superman. Man level. Like it literally is real life Iron Man, and it's yeah, and it's actually hopefully going to be trialled at the Great North Air Ambulance Service. Ambulance. And which you yeah. know what is so needed because all air ambulances. I mean, there are several across the country, yeah, and yeah, yeah. what people don't realise is they are actually charities. They They're are. not funded. By the government it's one of those things that people don't realize that the air they, everyone thinks the government pays for air ambulances they, they don't the government will not pay for them so these charities do absolutely amazing work and the people that volunteer are also amazing so they could they all need support especially during covid so and they're real life paramedics yeah they're all real life paramedics they save millions of people's lives that you know land ambulances just cannot reach yeah, they're absolutely reason. amazing. They're absolutely so amazing. So with this jet suit, we've now got, you know, a jet suit paramedic able to go out and save lives. And, you know, in 90 seconds, it's got a brake horsepower jet suit in 90 seconds, a 1050 brake horsepower. 1050 horsepower. 1050. Horse Did power. I say 1050? Sorry. You said 1050. It's all right. You know, it's a 1050. Yeah. Uh, it's just 10, great. <laughs> Mini, literally, <laughs> jet, like that, Harry. <laughs> literally, literally jet engines on his on his arms. I just yeah. brilliant. Yeah, brilliant. it's amazing. It, it, it is really like you know superhero stuff. Yeah. Um, but in my eyes, yeah. they are all you know the 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 ladies, the everybody are superheroes mm. who work for air ambulance because you know they do. They completely save lives all the time. Yeah, and um, Ginaz, which of course is great, um, that, that air ambulance I described earlier, I'm not going to say their name again, I'm going to call them Ginaz from now on because it sounds snazzy, um, have have said that you know they're hoping to to purchase one of these, to get hold of one of these jet suits to help save lives because you know it's another way of reaching people that you know even the helicopters can't get to. So it's it's a really exciting time 
And they are literally, they're just scratching the surface of what is possible to achieve with the technology. So I think Gravity Industries is one to watch. And it sounds a little bit like Stark Industries. Don't know why. It just sounds very much like we're going to have real life Iron Men flying around soon. So. Yeah, mm. coming soon. Real life Iron Man, which brings us to our final topic of the day. Entertainment. Yay! Yeah, we're doing we're doing entertainment. No business like show business. <laughs> I think we actually need to get a theme tune. Maybe maybe I'll actually get one of them. We're doing an entertainment segment for the first time because we thought it was so doom and gloom this week. Um that I say we, Ali absolutely smashed it and went and found love loads of lovely showbiz stories and entertainment stories. I did. And and one the first story that we're gonna talk about, which is actually although it's an entertaining um film and um it it also obviously touches on the the great problem that we have with climate change on the planet mm-hmm. um and last week sir david attenborough actually broke instagram he was the next <laughs> next well-known person to break instagram when he had he actually topped jennifer aniston's um numbers by having an over a million subscribers in the first day i mean fair play if there's anyone who's worthy of getting that it is of course sir david yes amazing man and and this week um a life on our planet has been launched is being launched on netflix good Um, old netflix it's a shame on the bbc but i think most people have netflix nowadays so yeah can't wait absolutely i can't wait i think he is so amazing so you know the life on our planet will tell how man is destroying earth and it reveals measures that can be taken to reverse environmental disaster and the documentary is obviously looking back at sir david's career and it'll also be in cinemas actually as well harry from monday i think it's going to be a very very powerful thing to watch and there probably will be some tears because it, yeah we are killing this planet so i'm sure david has is there's going to be some things now that make people cry but hopefully it works i really hope it works well i think it's got to you know he's if, if you think about it i think he's like you know the daddy of the planet really mm. and you know what he's not the only person ali was actually talking about saving the planet of course, Prince William is also talking about duty to save the planet in a new ITV documentary that's also coming out soon. So he's and um, that is that no, actually that is out tonight. Is it? Is it? So of course we're filming filming. We're recording on Sunday this week because I wasn't very well on Saturday. So Sunday, fourth of October. Um, so yeah, that will be really exciting. So Prince William again is stepping up to the plate to talk about saving the planet. He says that he fatherhood's is. given him a new sense of purpose. So that's actually really exciting as well. He's got three children now, hasn't he? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. God, he has. Yeah. Blimey. I always forget that. Yeah. And there's there keeps being talks. Is there another one on the way? Oh, that's. But but we shall see. So yeah. So there's been has been some royal family news, hasn't there? On um, babies. We'll get get more to come on that one. I'm sure we will. Yeah, definitely. And also, obviously, he's great friends and um a great supporter of sir david attenborough as well mm, um yeah. and actually watched uh had a, a previewing of a life on our planet um in his house at amner hall in the garden and it's quite a sweet story i don't know if you saw it they actually sat in the wrong chairs 
Did they? I didn't see it, no. Yeah, so on, oh. on the back of um, Sir David Attenborough's chair, it said uh, Prince William. <laughs> uh, Love that. On the back of uh, Prince William's chair, it said uh, Sir David Attenborough. Oh, that's quite sweet. Brilliant. Anyway. Absolutely brilliant. Oh, no, that, that is really sweet. Talking about something else that's really sweet as well. Apparently, there's the fully restored Rupert and the Frog song. Yeah, do you know what? I, I emailed you this, didn't I? Really excited. Yes. And I've no idea why I emailed you this because it it's 36 years since it released. And do you know what? I Why on earth I got really excited? I think I got confused. I think I thought it was like something to do with Rupert the Bear. So <laughs> I think I just got very confused when I saw this story. Um, but yeah, they've released um, an animated film is coming on YouTube, isn't it? Fully Restored. So yeah, it's no, but it is also to celebrate, isn't it? Um, the fact that the Rupert the Bear is a hundred years old, isn't that right? Oh, it is, isn't it? That's where I'm getting confused. Honestly, I've I've taken some painkillers for my teeth, so my head's not here. That's what I was excited about. I literally remember texting you, going, "Ali, we have to do this." Rupert yeah, the Bear, of my no, absolutely, and it is a lovely story. So thank you for emailing me that. Yeah, and you'll or be able to see that very you soon on YouTube. Me, actually, Harry, did I WhatsApp you? I think I did, uh, didn't I? I texted you. In your um, was toothy haze. Was I in a tooth haze on that day, or was I? You were in a tooth haze. I'm afraid. I I yeah, absolutely. I saw it, didn't I? But, I got really but you can be forgiven. Yeah. You know, thank, thankfully, I, I'm a bit older, so um, I've. I've Come out of the other side of the wisdom tooth scenario. Unfortunately, I am nowhere near that yet. Um, and actually, speaking of um, speaking of wisdom teeth, no, no, no. Oh, yes. Well, I mean, <laughs> speaking of weird teeth, spitting image. Spitting image is back. Oh, spitting Box. image. And of course, I actually saw the first round of spitting image. Yeah, you did. Unfortunately, I was not born during the first round of spitting image. No, so you weren't alive. But don't worry, I was there for you, Harry. So um brilliant absolutely brilliant satirical um television puppet show created by peter flock roger law and marty lambinan um and, and and you're right the first broadcast was in 1984 um and it you know it just really takes the mickey out of you know the the current situation whether it's the political landscape or you know people in in the in the spotlight, yeah. really. I and mean, did you see? I did, I have to say, tell you this, Harry. It was so funny. The um, tweet from Spitting Image this morning, and it was, uh, uh, or a couple of days ago, it was um, Boris. His Spitting Image was um, doing a get well speech to Trump, and he said, "You know, and and we'll all stand out at eight o'clock, and you know, we'll all pay tribute to you." Um, like we did with the NHS, and we'll all take our face masks off and spit on our neighbours. <laughs> oh, oh, God. You can see we've done it on BritBox, can't you? There's no Ofcom rules. That's the no. reason they've done it on BritBox. BBC and Absolutely. ITV, very clever. Absolutely. Very clever. Streaming only. And it, and it is very clever. I mean, as we said, you know, no one would wish President Trump any harm. But, no. you know, it, it really is... Um, something to watch and something to really sort of take the take the edge off harry we've got to take the edge off haven't we oh we do we've got to we've got to find something to laugh about these days where it'd be very doom and gloom Um, and also i mean on spitting image obviously they have a lineup of cast who who take on the the voices of all the puppets and steve coogan 
none other than Alan Partridge. Alan. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone knows Alan Partridge, don't they? Yeah. <laughs> Whether you've seen the show or not, the name Alan Partridge will always ring a bell. Yeah. So he is one of the the puppets or plays probably several of the puppets. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah. And um, anyway, lo and behold, this gold statue. I yeah, I, I get. It turns up in the middle of Norwich. Yeah, uh, it's quite a good old Norwich for starters, honestly. Um, yeah, larger than life gift to Norwich, wasn't it? So, yeah, um, his two fans, weren't they, were behind it? Nick Dutton and Gavin Fulcher. Um, Gavin is a sculptor and said it was just a bit of fun, really. And I think during this time we could all do with a bit of light relief. Never heard something so British in my life. A bit of light relief, honestly. Absolutely. Um, but I mean, that's what Alan Partridge is, isn't he? He's a yeah. bit of light relief. And it's actually got his approval, isn't it? He's actually granted his consent and will instruct his legal team to resheath their daggers. Yeah. <laughs> i know so yeah yeah i think it's good though i mean uh, yeah we we need and they also think that it could actually be a bit of a publicity stunt for alan's latest podcast which is produced from from his his shed shed. i mean we're we're not using our shed are we honestly um in a shed maybe maybe i need to get a podcasting shed maybe that's the way to do it a podcasting shed. A podcasting Harry. shed. Yeah, maybe. Well, you do that, and I'll get myself an igloo, Harry. <laughs> well, yeah, God knows it probably snow at this rate, won't it? Let's be honest here. Twenty twenty. Twenty twenty. Twenty twenty. Who knows? Absolutely. But yeah. But you know, at least doing our 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 podcasts, we're we're not having to deal with off complaints, are we? No, I don't think. Hopefully, we wouldn't get any. Um, no, good old. Well, do you know what? Interestingly enough. There is this October a lot of good television back, you know, one spitting image, as we, as we said, which yeah. is great for a laugh, you know, when, when we're all going through some doom and gloom. Um, but incidentally, you know that the Matt Lucas um, rendition of a government briefing at the opening of the Great British Bake Off last week? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. They I know where you're going something. with this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they got a lot of Ofcom complaints, apparently. People can't take a joke nowadays. That's all I'm going to say on that. I mean, fair play, you, you have, you're legally entitled to complain to Ofcom. But on what grounds? It's satire. Like, yeah. spoofing and satire are protected for this exact reason. So, hey, there won't nothing will come of it, will they? It's the same with Amanda no. Holden's dress. People have got a bit too much free time. Absolutely. I mean, there were loads and loads of complaints, though, about the um, diversity dance. Yes, I know there were. And then Ofcom put out a lovely statement, actually, on that. And I think that was really, really good of Ofcom to write as much as they did. Um, So, yeah, Ofcom, you know, nine times out of ten, a bang on, bang on with it. They are extremely fair. And even though we don't have the freest media system in the world... We're still quite lucky that Ofcom are fairly lenient. So yes, yeah. they are fairly lenient, and, and you know, Black Lives do matter. And Absolutely. also, it's Black History Month this this month as well, which we'll we'll be covering some more stuff on that. We um, will. And if you want some information a bit sooner, I believe there's a Tea Time with Ali Monjack podcast coming out fairly soon with some some more on that. Ali, is that right? I think that's your podcast, isn't it? Yeah, that is my podcast. Oh, sure. So I've got got a lovely local Berkshire lady who's got a lot to say on the matter. So we'll we'll be talking about you know 
black history and um, a lot to do with Windrush as well. And also, you know, how this is all progressing. Lovely. Well, and I will hopefully we'll get some sound bites from that as well for next week's next week's breakdown. But well, we as, will, Harry. But you know, right. as um, yeah, Alan Partridge would say, it's uh, you know, come to another end of another great show. It has, but there's no no voiceover work this week. No no Sainsbury's <laughs> announcements. You've you've done well. Um, I think we you know. What do you it, know Sainsbury's announcements? I haven't heard you go into voiceover mode this week. I don't know what I was on last week, honestly. Um, but no, we've made it, Ali. We, I've survived. I've survived wisdom tooth pain. You have survived. Mm. Yeah. And I'd like everybody out there to say, you know, well done, Harry. Because I have been I in bed that... for a while. <laughs> yeah. Bless you. And I, there's nothing like wisdom tooth pain. There really isn't. It's um, teeth. Hey, it's never pleasant, teeth. hey. Never pleasant. Never pleasant. But, anyway, you know. Yeah. Hopefully, Ali, I'll be fine by next week and we'll have some good news. We can dream, can't we? We can dream. Fingers well, crossed. Do you know what? I think we've had a bit of good news this week. We yeah, have. it's been all right. It's been, a, it's been a good breakdown of the news. Only yeah. one massive breakdown, which is my lemonade doing a 360 and then I had a coughing fit. Well, so. you could say that, you know, when life gives you lemons, Harry... Spin them in a 360. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that pretty makes more sense. You get lemonade rather than spin them in a 360. God, I think I need to have a cup of coffee. um, And (laughs) (laughs) go back to bed, Harry. And go back to bed. I think so. Well, as always, Ali, I will do some some shout-outs. If you want to get in touch with us, our email is breakdown at forthenow.co.uk. We've also got the news site, which you've been monitoring this week, which is news.forthenow.co.uk. Um, and yeah, we'll be here. Keep coming back. We'll, we'll still be here. Right, yeah, do, do send us some stories. Do send us some stories of your own or how it's been, you know, if life has been affecting you in different ways. We'd love to hear from you. We would. And if you have got to this point in the podcast, thank you for listening through all my... um my wisdom tooth induced ramblings and yeah we will we will speak to you again next week i think that's the the perfect way to sign off so i will say adios goodbye see you next time